Thank you for joining us on Theology Refresh. I'm David Mathis, and I'm here today with Darren Patrick. Our topic is biblical manhood. Darren is the author of the book, along with Matt Carter, called For the City, as well as the book Church Planter, The Man, The Message, The Mission. And Darren begins the book right away talking about why he is focusing on men in this book about church planting. Darren, would you tell us why the focus on men? Well, I think we see in Scripture um, a clear, God-ordained uh, leadership role for men. And I think we can say without apology, not just because the Bible says it, because it has been clearly demonstrated in history, as men go, so goes the world, for good or for bad. And this is a, a view of manhood and of leadership in the church that's called complementarity. We believe that men and women created in equal value before God are complementary in their varying and mutually beneficial roles. Um, you have not always been a complementarian. There was a season in which you were an egalitarian. Uh, explain what that means and what happened in your life to bring about a difference. Yeah, I mean, I grew up without a dad, and so I was very uh, disrespectful once I got you know, we reached puberty, was very disrespectful to my mom, my sisters, and really any woman that was in my life, uh, was very sexually promiscuous, um, had a radical conversion, heart change, church I became a Christian in, was a complementarian church, but they're pretty thin about their explanation of it, and, and even thinner in their practice of it, as I observed the men. Um, it was kind of, um, you know, it was kind of like, this is what the Bible says on the, on the, can't, women can't be a pastor, and women are the head of the home, men are the head of the home. But it wasn't really played out with men are servants and men are you know first forgivers and, and, and primary sufferers and all the things we see in Ephesians five. So I don't know. I kind of went into seminary you know with that view, but I began to read, and obviously my professors were very egalitarian, and I remember research, and I, I kind of switched teams. Uh, although I don't know if I was really on the complementarian team in a strong way, but I switched teams. Then I wrote a paper about how men, uh, you know, if we were going to reach the culture, men and women, we were going to have to be egalitarians because that's the way the culture is going. There's no way we're going to plant new churches, reach people if we were stuck in this traditional mindset. And so basically that was my premise. The problem was I studied a book. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it now. It's big, thick, the complete book on biblical manhood or something, some interesting title by Grudem and Piper who were the editors and a bunch of essays within it. Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. That's it. Thank you. Um, and so I actually realized in there, I'm like, oh man, this is right. I, com the complementarian view is correct. Uh, but I was already pot committed on the paper, so I went and turned it in as an egalitarian, but I was actually, and, and con you know, converted to being a complementarian. And I, um, you know, it really changed how I viewed um, ministry from that point on. You and I believe that the Bible teaches that Scripture consistently teaches the principle of male leadership, not only in the church, but in the home as well. Uh, but merely having that view doesn't mean that it gets fleshed out well. You mentioned in the introduction to your church planner book that there are many complementarian churches, sadly, too many, who haven't fleshed it out well. Explain what you mean by that. Well, I just think we know in general what we're against more than what we're for. 
And I think that's the plague of Christians and churches uh, anywhere about many issues. But on this one, you know, we're, we're more like nuanced and have more precise articulation about uh, what women can't do versus what they can do. And so what, what I've observed as I've spoken at conferences and know pastors that have, uh, they're complementarian, is that um, they've not done a great job empowering the ladies to, you know, do the work of ministry. And so then the critique that every complementarian hates, which is, you guys are against women in ministry, and we retort, no, 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 no. We're against women as elders, but actually they're right most of the time. We are against women in ministry when you look at the number of women leaders in our church. And so I think that what we, we have to teach what the Bible teaches, which is men and women are made different. That goes back to creation. That's not even really a Christian thing. It goes back, and that's when Paul takes all of these created order things back to creation. Man and woman were made differently. That we're recapturing the original intent for which God created the world um, with regard to gender, and that we are then realizing, okay, well, God has unique gifts for women. Yes, the Bible restricts the office of elder for men, but that doesn't mean women can't lead. That doesn't women mean women can't teach. And we have to be uh, biblical in our approach. And I think we just default because we're lazy, mm. honestly. And we, we're not rigorous in our theology about... Um, human beings made in the image of God, and then, and then what, you know, I don't see anything in the Bible about spiritual gifts being restricted because of gender. I can't find anything. I do see a lot about leadership, and I do see a lot of women lead, and I think we, we need to explore that more, and it makes us uncomfortable, which is why we don't go there as complementarians, but that's what I meant. So what you're saying is there is not only the danger to the left that we would become feminist and that we would... Uh, become egalitarians in all roles and offices, but there's also a danger to the right that we wouldn't honor women, that we wouldn't call men to be sacrificial and lead in the way that Christ leads the church. Sometimes the categories have been so set up as egalitarian left, complementarian right, that we haven't identified clearly that you can go off this to the right. Yeah, as nobody well. thinks they're Pharisees. Nobody, a good question to always ask in, in these kind of matters is, where are the, who are the Pharisees here? You know, nobody thinks they are, but when, when you start, like, pull, you know, when you pop the hood on a lot of churches that are theologically minded, reformed, complementarian, um, you're, you're, you're going to see a lack of empowering. And I think... I think that is actually what has produced the left more than theology. I don't think a lot, most egalitarians have gotten to their position. And I know this because I've ta I talk to, you know, and several friends, and we do conferences together, and we even publish together and do things, and friends, we're all in the same kingdom, preaching the same Jesus. But, but rarely do they ever come to me and say, well, you know, I, have this, I was really studying the Bible, and, you know, that doesn't mean they don't love the Bible, and that doesn't mean they've not done their good theology. It just means... They had an experience with the church. The vast majority of the, 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 the ones I've talked to, men and women, you know what, the women weren't empowered or the men just saw it was the boys' club and we weren't. That's what produced their theology, is the lack of following the scripture um, with the people who have the right theology. Here's a couple key places in the New Testament where 
uh, this vision for complementary roles between husbands and wives and between uh, elders in the church are fleshed out. In particular, husbands and wives here. This is Colossians 3, 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So not parallel commands here, but complementary commands. And in the key text in Ephesians 5, it's 5.22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of one wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should submit in everything to their husbands. Now verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Biblical manhood is not merely a return to how it would have been before, for Adam before the fall. There is a new dynamic for the Christian man because of Jesus. Flesh that out. Well, Adam's wife had not sinned. So he, he didn't have to take responsibility for things that weren't his fault. He didn't have to forgive first. He didn't have to sacri sacrifice most. Um, and so w we have the glory of being able to do that. Like, because that's what Jesus did. Did Jesus take responsibility for things that weren't his fault? Yeah, sin. Uh, did, he, did he lead out in suffering? Did he lead out in forgiveness? Absolutely. So we have the, the great um, privilege as husbands uh, in Christ to cover our wives and to love them and to account for their weakness and their sin and forgive them and show them really what the cross is all about and how we relate to their sin. Adam didn't have that. Like, uh, and, and in fact, we know when sin entered the world, what's, what do they do? They covered up all their sin. Well, in Christ now, you know, husbands, um, you, you, your wife doesn't have to hide from you anymore. Like, she can be fully revealed in all of her brokenness, and you can cover her up. She doesn't have to cover herself, right? You can cover her up because of Christ. And because Christ has covered her up, right? She's forgiven, you can forgive her. Because you've been forgiven, you can forgive. Um, and I just think it's a beautiful picture. And I think that, that really makes sense of Ephesians 5. And it really <clears throat> makes sense of th this idea that, you know, that in our culture that marriage is just about, you know, basically the mutual, um, <clears throat> the, I use you to, to benefit me. It's not mutual. It's really, you know, you're helping me become a better person. This says, you know what, we're in each other's lives. And we're bleeding all over each other, and we're we're causing all kinds of problems in each other. But in Christ, we get to be a part of that restoration. Amen. Thank you, Darren, for sharing with us. Would you close in prayer for the pastors and leaders listening, uh, that we would manifest the gospel like that in our lives? Oh Lord, I, I ask for for your mercy, um, and um, Lord, as men who are listening to this, Lord, we would be humbled by our sin and yet confidence because we have the righteousness of Christ and that we would go forth in this world and as we especially relate to our wives who you have given us, um, their fellow heirs in the grace of life, they are precious. And would you help us to humbly but confidently um, uh, encourage them to love you more. Help us to challenge them with regard to their sin. Help us to come alongside them in their weakness and their brokenness. Help us not to be chauvinists and help us not to be cowards. 
And uh, for the ladies listening, Lord, would you um, encourage them that they are made in your image, that they are not second-class citizens, that they're not on the junior varsity, that they do have gifts that can be used in your kingdom, and that you would show them that, and that you would protect them from the lies of feminism that would tell them um, that they have to exert themselves and they have to, to really be free. They have to get out from underneath their husband's authority, Lord. Protect them from those lies and yet empower them to do the work that you have called them to do with the gifts you have given them. And we trust you to do these things in Jesus' name. Amen.